Discover the leader in you with the leadership linebacker, Dr. Jason Carthen, former New England Patriot turned Ph.D. I bring a new brand of inspiration and passion to audiences worldwide. Having served and consulted with Fortune 500 companies, the National Football League Players Association, and the White House, each week I will prescribe empowering, motivational, and life-changing medicine for your soul. Now, it's time to discover the leader in you. All right, good people. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 6 of Discover the Leader in You. I'm your host, the leadership linebacker, Dr. Jason Carthen. And boy, do we have a doozy for you today. Not only do we have a phenomenal guest, but we're going to be talking about some serious stuff. Today, we're going to be talking about expanding the conversation around restorative justice and racial equity. Today across the country, we've been witnessing some very disturbing trends as it relates to the response toward restorative justice practices and racial equity in general. Trends that suggest we're not as far along as we would like to believe when it comes to the topic of race, equality, and equanimity for all people, particularly in the African-American community. Of recent note, Michelle Alexander's wonderful TED Talk regarding what she calls the new Jim Crow served to shine a bright light on the disparity of sentencing for those who are minorities versus those who are not. Her book on the same, of the same name paints a vivid picture of how far we as a nation have to go in order to counteract what is taking place in our judicial system. To help us better understand and expand the conversation around restorative justice practices, I just want to remind everybody, if you navigate to jasoncarthen.com, I care about your personal development. I have some free resources there for you. Make sure if you want to expand and grow in your business that you take full advantage of the resources that I have there for you. For example, I have a free breakthrough coaching strategy session for you. All you have to do is navigate to the coaching tab and fill out the form and we'll get you all squared away and you can Go along with thousands of other people that have actually had an opportunity to experience that breakthrough coaching session and get on the right track for their business. Also, as a reminder, the Jason Carthen app is available to you. Please visit that on the iTunes store and the Google Play store. And our guest is going to silence her phone. <laughs> I'll tell you what, guys, this is going to be a great show. Now, without further ado, let me share a little bit about Dr. Tollfree. Dr. Talea Tollfree has committed over 20 years of her life serving in a variety of pre-K through post-secondary settings. From her experience, she developed a passion for leadership and program development. As the former restorative practices coordinator for the Minneapolis Public School District, her role focused on implementing school-based restorative practices. Talea's restorative practices and leadership development work inspired her to found Cornelia Leadership Academy, LLC. The Academy's mission is to transform communities through leadership development and relationship building. Cornelia Leadership Academy uses the Restorative Practices Engagement Circle Framework to partner with academia and community experts to provide leadership and restorative practices trainings and consulting services for schools, nonprofits, and faith-based communities. Talea also earned her Doctorate of Ministry and Servant Leadership for Team and Organizational Effectiveness from Bethel Seminary. Dr. Tollfree is the recipient of Bethel University's Excellence in Management Award and also Bethel University's George K. Bruchaber Reconciliation Award. Hey, Talea, welcome to the show. Did you shut that phone off? 
I did, Dr. Carson. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. And, you know, it's so interesting. Whenever you start dealing with technology, we get into the studio. And if things can happen, things will happen. So we like to roll with it and keep on moving, okay? All right. All right, good stuff. So, Talia, you know, I have to ask you. Many people may not even know what restorative justice is. Can you give our listening audience your idea of it and why it's important? Sure. First, I want to say it's an honor to be with you today. And um, restorative practices is really about how we build strength-based relationships. Mm. It's a practice that's been practiced in indigenous communities for generations and how um, relationships are developed and how problems are solved. And restorative practices, restorative justice, are really used interchangeably in restorative community. I prefer restorative practices. Okay. Um, It gives credence to the fact that we're practicing the art of being in relationship with one another. And Mm -hmm. in restorative practices, there are three main principles cultivating strength-based relationships, repairing harm, empowering voice through engaging all the stakeholders. Mm, Wow. Now, that is not something that's easy. I can just tell, just listening to you, when you start talking about uh, restoring, you know, relationships and engaging people, that, wow. Do you have a lot of people that get on board with that, Dr. Tollfree, or is it one of those things where, You know, maybe you have some pushback every now and then. I don't know. Expand on that for me. Well, sometimes there is pushback, but for the most part, when people really understand what restorative practices is and its aim to develop strength-based relationships, to be used as an alternative to punitive discipline practices in education or even in our justice system, people really want to learn more about it and to find out how they can be a part of that transformation that'll take uh, root in people's lives Mm. and so it's the practices that we use like for instance restorative practices the core of it is uh, having restorative circles where you are in circle with people and you're talking about what are your values what do you bring to this team what is it that we what is your narrative how do we learn more about you as a human being and then how and that's how we start to build relationship with people, understanding their values, understanding their strengths, understanding where they may need help, and begin to see people as human beings rather than maybe the incident that may have occurred, but mm-hmm. really seeing that there's a narrative behind everybody's name, and we wanna we wanna use that narrative to build relationships. Wow, Dr. Tofrey, it sounds like this is the sort of thing where we all can learn from it. It it does not have to just be relegated to restorative practices as you described it. It's, it's almost like uh, we need to deepen our understanding of the human condition. You know, if we look at others and recognize that they all, like you said, they're, they're a narrative, they're a life, you know, and it's still being written as we engage them. So that's, that's good stuff. That is good stuff. So you get pushback, but eventually people see the value. They understand that it's it's a much larger conversation at the end of the day. So let me ask you this. If true progress is going to be made, though, concerning restorative practices, 
where should we begin in communities and schools in our own homes i mean talk to us a little bit about that and i think you just answered it all you can start it everywhere there's a human being wow that's good (laughs) it is it's really about um and i know you're the expert on leadership it is about how we lead um in relationship how do we lead with our heart and build those relationships so again that we can see uh people for their humanity and not for the incident not that restorative practices doesn't also have consequences because we want people to understand that it's not just something that you say oh we're using restorative practices so there's no accountability but it's in the way that we do it mm-hmm. um, it's not a punitive approach but it's an approach that says um, this incident happened how can we fix this together and how can people be restored back to the community and sometimes there will be consequences that uh, folks will have to follow and so I would say you can start it in schools, you can start it in um, juvenile justice systems, you can start it in community organizations, you can start it anywhere where there's a human being. But what I would say, add to that, is that especially, my focus is especially on schools, we have to have the community as a strong partner to hold um, schools accountable, um, to help hold uh, students and parents and just just that accountability system and that system for transparency and sort of how we are delivering restorative practices and if we're doing it with fidelity. Oh, my goodness. Now, i tell you what, those are some nuggets. Let me just let you know what I heard. <laughs> At the end of the day, everywhere there is a human being, restorative practices can take place if we're mindful, if we're mindful and we understand that to be the case. And then also, how do we lead what I like to say in love and relationship? I love your word around that and understanding that, you know what, you don't get a pass. There are going to be consequences, uh, but it's going to be in a restorative way, not so much punitive. We're going to punish you and forget you. It's more of, no, we want to develop you and make sure we're growing. But the final nugget or caveat that I wrote down as you were sharing is that everyone needs to be a part of this thing. Communities, schools, the accountability piece, people can't just throw people away at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. So that's, that is good stuff. Dr. Tofre. I understand why you're an expert (laughs) with this. This is, (laughs) this is great. So, you know, one of the things that I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about this, okay? Now, we will often see restorative practices, and maybe we don't reward people. Maybe we don't single out the teacher that is actually using restorative practices in a in a positive way. So let me ask you this. How can we learn with the untrained eye to begin to see, you know, restorative practices taking place around us and then maybe reward people or celebrate people when they bring people back into the fold after they've done something and we didn't they didn't punish them or, you know, down downplay them in that way? Well, to the untrained eye, restorative practices looks like taking the time to value the humanity in others. Mm-hmm. developing a sense of empathy and providing opportunities for restore, um, restoration. Mm-hmm. Restorative practices look like giving voice to those who are often not allowed to share their narrative. Wow. It looks like communities, juvenile justice systems, and schools 
taking time to repair harm together rather than responding with punitive sanctions that may cause more harm to a community. It could be, for for instance, in an elementary school, we had children that just decided they were going to tear up the restroom. (laughs) So they had uh, paper towels all over the place. But Mm -hmm. because the restorative practices coordinator and the maintenance crew were trained in restorative practices, they were able to take those students, sit down, have a restorative practices circle, talk about what they did, how it and how what they did impacted the whole school, and what would they do to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Without restorative practices, those students may have been suspended. Mm-hmm. But because they had a restorative practices option, they were able to recognize what they did, figure out what they were going to do to fix it, and then they were able to re-enter their classrooms instead of missing out on education for that day. Oh, my goodness. Now, I have to sort of press the pause button there for a second because what you just said, the very end of that, I love the examples of what it looks like, and certainly it would be my untrained eye, but that last piece We have to be careful because when we put people out of classrooms, when we sit people in the hall or send them wherever or even suspend them, whatever it may be, that's not helping them. They're missing opportunities to learn. They're missing opportunities to have positive reinforcement that says you matter. What you did was wrong. You shouldn't have toured the bathroom. Okay. (laughs) But at at the end of the day, it's much bigger than that. It's a larger conversation than that. I think sometimes when we start going down that, that road of punitive measures, we can lose people and then we never reclaim them. We never reclaim them. So that's good stuff. That is good stuff. So you know what? One of the things that uh, I'm just going to continue to pick out nuggets here, Dr. Tollfree, can we actually have a discussion about restorative practices and not talk about racial equity? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if we can, okay, good. You know, but let's talk about that. Well, I think folks often have the conversation about restorative practices without factoring um, in racial equity because racial equity and racism are very sensitive topics. Yes. And, you know, they make folks feel uncomfortable, and so people want to avoid having that conversation. But I just am a strong believer that the answer to our racial equity issues lies in our discomfort. Like, we need to get to that place of discomfort to really unravel and figure out how we can approach uh racial equity in our society. Mm. So I think that we can, some people have that conversation about restorative practices without talking about racial equity, but it's not really beneficial because what we do know is that a number of our students who are being suspended or expelled from school are students that are of color. And so there's definitely a pattern of racial disparity when we talk about our education system. Mm-hmm. Um, so restorative practices is one of those pieces that we can implement so that there's a fair process for everyone if everyone is using it. Right, right. And I, and I think the key is what you just shared, if everyone is using it. And that's 
that's the difficulty because just like there's pressure, you know, uh, to maybe not talk about some of these things, uh, racial equity and restorative practices and understanding that racism is a part of that. And would it be safe to say that you believe the two are linked at the end of the day? Yes. I think, um, you know, if we look at the data across our nation, we see that there are huge racial disparities across systems. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, like you mentioned, Michelle Alexander, um, she so brilliantly captured and articulated the racial disparities in our prison system, yes. leaving millions of black and brown people in prison. Mm-hmm. We must continue to have a dialogue about the data that shows that our education system serves as a pathway for black and brown children to be absorbed into the school-to-prison pipeline. Mm -hmm. So research says that black and brown students are being suspended at much higher rates than their white counterparts for the same or similar behaviors. Mm -hmm. And research um, also shows us that students are being suspended and expelled are more likely to end up in juvenile justice system. So when when they have that interaction of being suspended or um, expelled, it's more likely that they're going to have contact with our juvenile justice system. Mm-hmm. And we have a number of pieces of research and data that shows the pattern. We have um, the U.S. Department of Education, Office of Civil Rights. They have reports that show um, black children represent 18% of preschool enrollment but 48% of preschool children are receiving more than one out of um, out of school suspension. And oh, then we also wow. know that um, <laughs> black students are suspended and expelled at three times the rate of their white counterparts. Yeah. And that's just... So we have the data. That's unacceptable. I mean, I just... The data is... It speaks volumes. And you're correct. Uh-huh. I mean, your research uh, is powerful. And then also Michelle Alexander's research is very powerful. But then it, it really... It begs the question, why aren't we doing more to expand the conversation? Now, we're doing that today because we are talking uh-huh. to Dr. Talia Tofri and we're expanding the conversation around restorative justice and racial equity. She is the founder of Cornelia Leadership. Uh, LLC, Leadership Academy, pardon me, LLC. And some of the things that she is sharing with us today really begs the question, where are we at and why are we not doing more to expand this even further? So it leads me to the next question. Now, uh, if all this stuff is taking place, we have the data that is staring back at us, okay? Uh Who's championing the calls? Who is getting out there and saying, Okay, you know, um, or who should champion the cause? Should it be maybe more people like you, Dr. Tolfrey, or should it be uh, people in the school system, or is it a both-and sort of proposition? I think it's a both-and because restorative practices is about what we all can do. Okay. Um, we, we even teach restorative practices to preschoolers and oh, wow. how they deal with conflict on the preschool level. So it's for everyone, from preschool to um, our elders. And it comes, again, I just want to remind people that it comes out of the traditions of indigenous people. This is how we practice relationship in the way of being as indigenous people. And now it's sort of taken root in um, society today in response to some of the suspensions and the, the harmful and punitive actions that have taken place 
toward um, our children, especially children of color. Mm-hmm. So I think it could be started anywhere. Anyone can, can be trained on how to do restorative practices. We looked at, uh, we've even been talking to pre-service students uh, who are looking to become teachers and how do we get this in, in their uh, training before they become teachers? Mm-hmm. How do we make that a part of their education before they become teachers? And we're looking at training young folks. We've trained elementary students. We've trained high school students. we train elders. So everybody can do this. And I think it's just um, up to people to be encouraged to get involved. Yeah, I think that's excellent. Uh, I think that really, if we don't do something about it, it's not just going to be those that are being uh, incarcerated more frequently than others. It's going to be everybody. It's going to be humanity if we continue to turn a blind eye to what's taking place all around us. And I think the one telltale sign that I'm hearing you say is that it's all about having relationship in community, loving on one another. You know, and not just, not, again, not tossing people aside because they may have made a mistake. And then also realizing that maybe they made a mistake because there's some other things that are maybe broken in their lives. And maybe uh-huh. if uh, more was being done in that area, then maybe it would be a better situation. They could make better choices in that way. So, Dr. Tolfrey, as I listen to you share some of these uh, things that you're sharing today, you know, we know that progress is being made. Uh, based upon your expertise, I also saw, I went out and saw that you're doing trainings, you're doing workshops and different things like that. How intentional are you as an expert? How intentional are you when you go out? Do you, do you weave this in to some of your presentations? Do you, you tell people about this or is it more of a, your data, you're just collecting data, <laughs> you're doing things like that uh-huh. with Cornelia Leadership Academy or how intentional are you with this on a daily basis? Absolutely, we are intentional about people knowing about the statistics that we just talked about because a lot of teachers, even though we're in this state where there is a number of suspensions, a lot of educators want something different, and they want to be a part of that transformation that needs to take place. There's a number of barriers that can stop them from from actually taken part in that and a lot of it is around policies and procedures a lot of it is around resources you know dollars to get the proper training and not only do teachers need to be trained but they also need to be coached Mm. so there's a point of training which is wonderful and people kind of understand and get a better sense of what restorative practices is but when you get on the ground and start to implement you need a coach that can walk side-by-side with you to be able to actually implement it with fidelity because it's a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. It's not something that we can expect teachers to go back and just start doing um, and have no problems with it because problems will come up, but you need that person that can coach you through so that you can, in fact, make the change that you're looking towards. Yeah, that is great. And it sounds like you're on the front lines uh, helping people to be able to do that. Now, I do want to touch on one thing that you shared there. So it is a paradigm shift, and it goes back to at the top of the show, we're talking about pushback and things like that. Do you feel like uh, when the paradigm shift is introduced, 
do you feel like there are some people that are part of the old guard and they just go, mm, no, you know what? They're a disruption. I want them out of class. And just if they never okay. come back, that's okay too. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. I think that there are some folks that, that feel that way and feel like, you know, that old traditional mindset that says if a kid did something, um, they are not being accountable until they have some punitive sort of sanction issued out to them or process that they feel like, you know, if they have enough pressure, then they won't do that thing again. But what we know is that zero tolerance and suspension doesn't work, so we have to continue to talk to people about why it's important to do something beyond suspension and to really talk to students about what their behaviors were and then show them that we're there to support. And we ask a number of critical questions. And we also do that with adults, with the teachers who we are training because we want them to understand this is not something that you get to go back and do to kids, but this is something that we want you to get inside of you so that you are um, having that same transformative experience in this relationship building. So how do we interact with each other as adults? How do we build relationships with each other as adults? How does our adult relationships impact the climate of our building? And then how do we interact with our students and their parents? So it's not just about what we do to somebody, but it's about how we are and what we do with each other. Wow, that is good stuff. At the end of the day, you cannot just say, and basically the way you framed it is, is powerful. I'm not doing something to the kids. I'm jumping into the fray, and I'm going to be changed in the process too. So that's, mm-hmm. that is good stuff. And, you know, with our remaining uh, minutes here, let me ask you in terms of that, that full transpo- transformative thing taking place, what happens, what sort of advice would you give to those in leadership when it, be, when it comes to implementing restorative practices? So I would say, you know, those in leadership, especially our, you know, our administrators, our superintendents, when we're talking about education systems, is that you have to learn what this process really is. You have to take part of being in restorative practices training, being in restorative practices circles, not only to learn the process, but to learn the language and to experience how that transformation takes place within you. Because if you're a superintendent or you're a principal, you cannot really fully advocate for your building for restorative practices if you don't know what it is. So the first thing I would say is get that experience as a superintendent, as a principal, building leadership, so that you can properly advocate for your building. Also, we have to have dollars to to uh, be able to support the process as we do this paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. We also have to look at what are our current policies and procedures that sort of issue out these negative or punitive uh, practices. How can we change those? How can we have alternatives that look more restorative and feel more restorative? Oh my I mean, I think the most rewarding thing for me is to see parents when you're calling them for a restorative practices process and they say, oh, you're calling me in to find out more about me and my opinion and what I want for my child. 
you see parents come to tears because typically they're only called to, to hear how bad of a parent they may be or what their child is not doing right. Mm-hmm. But when you engage them on a relationship level and say, we really want to hear how you can help us to help them. Wow. Yeah. And what is it that you want for them? That is good stuff. And I can see why some people would believe that this is a paradigm shift and it's not just going to just happen to the children, you know, and empowering the parents. I mean, that is long term positive impact. Now, Dr. Tolfrey, if people want to get in contact with you, uh, do you have a website? I, I see you doing the workshops. Are you available maybe on LinkedIn? How would people get in contact with you if they needed to? So I am available on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, my website should be up soon. Excellent. But my email, I have an email address, which is Konania Leadership Academy, and that's K-O-I-N-O-N-I Leadership Academy at gmail.com. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And that's how I can be reached for now, but my website is coming soon. All right. Good stuff. Like I said, I see you expanding and you have a passion for restorative practices and the fact that you are putting together a base camp for that via your website. And and if people want to connect with you on LinkedIn, they also can do that. So that's a good thing. So, you know, one of the things that I really have to share with everybody is that Dr. Tolfrey is very humble. She didn't want to come on. (laughs) She didn't want to share some of these things. And, you know, I said, no, at the end of the day, it's time. You got to share some of this stuff because we have to expand this conversation. See, her phone is going off again. She's very important to everybody. But she made the time for us today. You know, I just want to say to you, uh, Dr. Tolfrey, thank you so much for being on today. The nuggets of wisdom that you've been sharing have been powerful. So I just want to say thank you for that. Okay? Thank you, Dr. Carson. It's always an honor to speak with you and uh, learn from you as well. Oh, thank you so much. So, everybody, we have been able to do our part today to expand the conversation around racial equity and restorative practices. But One of the things that I kept hearing Dr. Tolfrey say is that if it's going to be done, we need to own this, own it in our communities, own it in our backyard, own it in our school systems, because if we don't own it, we are not going to be living this thing out with intentionality. And you guys know my mantra every day, live your life with intentionality and live it on purpose. Thanks for tuning in today, everybody. Make sure you check back again. Take care now. You've been listening to Discover the Leader in You with the leadership linebacker, Dr. Jason Carthen. We want to hear from you. Connect with us now. Visit our blog and visit our website at jasoncarthen.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Enterprises. Follow us on Twitter at Jason Carthen. Let's keep the conversation going. And if you want to listen to the podcast, go to jasoncarthenradio.com.